This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the Known and Ever podcast and football show. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and this week it is another mashup of an analysis show and a preview show. The Clarets are coming to their fifth defeat of the season already away at Newcastle. We'll also be previewing Luton away, uh, which now is looking like a massive win already so soon in the season. We are joined by a very special analyst and Dave's here to give us all of the stats and facts ahead of that game. So let's go. So let's kick off straight away, guys. I'm going to bring in our usual statistician, Dave Statman-Roberts. First, Dave, welcome, welcome. Come round very quickly. Uh, yeah, midweek game. We don't get too many of those in the Premier League, but obviously the uh, it was the fact the, uh, they did, well, they couldn't guarantee the ground was going to be ready. We've uh, just had a short delay. So, yes, we finally get to go back to uh, Kenilworth Road, the new Kenilworth Road. The new Kenilworth, the new fancy Kenilworth Road is Premier League money. Um, And I did tease at the beginning of the show that we are going to be joined by a very special analyst this week. Ladies and gentlemen, it is. I feel like we need a drum roll for this, Dave. We are throwing it back to 2018. He's had an extended sabbatical, which basically means he's been really rubbish and not been on for ages. Welcome back to the Known and Ever podcast, Robbie Kopak. Robbie, where have you been? We've missed you. I miss you too. I mean... The Dutch football sort of got yeah, the Dutch football <laughs> sort of got the end of me. The COVID season killed me off, yeah, and then it break. was a little bit. I needed a break, and then you know Vincent Company's football's drawn me back in. We've had a bit of a tough start, but I'm still cautiously optimistic. Still have a decent season. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, it's very lovely to have you back. Um, I'm glad that you had a break. Um, it happens to all of us sometimes, um, and I know you just needed to step away and you are part of the non and family so you are still with <laughs> us um, it's very lovely to have you back um we are of course going to be previewing uh Luton away which is already looking like a relegation six point two already um and we are going to give you a quiz um question before we get on to that though uh, Robbie we are going to come to you first I'm excited because I've got you back um the Clarets succumbing to a 2-0 loss at the weekend away at Newcastle Fifth loss of the season out of only six games played. We sit second from bottom of the table with just one point and 11 goals conceded. Quite the contrast to this time last year when Vincent's company's team were starting to um, find their feet in the championship and go on that uh, seamlessly never-ending running streak. Um, 
let's kick us off then. I mean, I think on paper, the result was probably as expected. We knew mm. from these opening fixtures that we were going to get very few points from these opening six games. And actually, realistically, we're probably on about the, the amount of points we thought we would be. But at the moment, it's the manner of the defeat that's a little bit concerning. Confidence is waning from the side. There doesn't seem to be a lot of lessons being learned from the top or on the pitch. Are we being unduly harsh to be worried here, or is this just the reality of these fixtures? Uh, I think it's a tough one. I think I think if you split the, the, the six games we've played in half, I think we have developed. I think from the opening three games to the last three games, we have seen improvements. I think we've gone from losing from being from the whole side being naive to losing games from individuals being naive. And it's almost, I'm getting a sense of comfort from it that I think individual errors can be ironed out. Mm. Uh, I think the first one with Ramsey, Doddle's on the ball. I think nine times out of ten, he doesn't do that. And again, I, I sort of said it uh, when Fernandez scored uh, when we played United. You're happy for Almiron to shoot from there because nine times out of ten, it probably goes over the bar or Trafford has an easy save. It's just one of those goals again that has a one percent chance of going in. It goes right into the top corner and we've been punished. Yeah, and we were playing really well at that point. You know, first fifteen minutes we were the better side and. We concede and then heads drop. And it's You've mentioned that before, actually, haven't you, Robbie? When you feel that when one goal, yeah, we're all right when we're nil nil, but once a yeah. goal goes in, the floodgates open. You've noticed that, right? Yeah, I, th- I think we get a bit. I, I don't know how to. I don't. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it happened against Villa as well. Mm. I felt against and the Spurs game. Like we started the Spurs, were, we were electric at the start. We got an early goal. And then the equaliser came pretty shortly after. And then we we're on the ropes up until, and then yeah. uh, Romero made it 2-1 at half time. And I think, again, heads drop. We come out second half against Spurs, we just didn't turn up. Yeah. And it was on, and we saw it against Newcastle where Almiron scores that goal, heads drop, and we're on the ropes up until half time. And yeah. we were very, very fortunate. It was only 1-0. And we're in the game up until, what, 70 minutes, but we didn't really lay a glove. No. Of course, the exception for that, Robbie, was, of course, the United game at home where we still carried on after they'd scored to be the better side and we were for most mm-hmm. of it. Now, I think there's two things for that. I think the, the predominantly the, the problem with that is that United were very, very poor, uh, which leads us on to another point, which you and I talked about offline, is that we've often relied in our survival seasons on being able to pick up bonus points from some of the yeah. bigger sides. Yeah, for City, Villa, Spurs, Newcastle, no. I just don't think we're ever going to. But that United side at home at Turf Moor was absolutely there for the taking and we just didn't mm-hmm. we didn't grasp it. Yeah, I think United were happy for us to have the ball. I think United were happy to sit in a shape. They had what they had what they needed. I think they knew they were gonna to have to come to come to us and grind it out. So they sat in a in a in a low block in a, in a flat back four with proper defenders in there and just thought, Yeah. We're happy for you to pass sideways. That's fine, you know, could just come and break us down, and we just didn't have the ability to do it. And I felt like Newcastle were very similar, where I think they got into the lead, and we struggled to really gain any form of authority or sustain any pressure on them. That's hard to do, though, isn't it? When you're at the bottom of the yeah. side, you know, we've gone from being the best side in the league last year and being able to absolutely dominate everybody 
to completely the opposite and being the worst side, in, mm-hmm. well, one of the worst sides in the division. And we've got players who haven't yet gelled, who are quite young and experienced. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there and see what we're thinking here. Is Vincent Company adding to this slight lack of cohesion by tinkering a little bit with tactics, not really putting a very clear strategy on the games? playing players out of position. I think in, in the Known and Ever newsletter this week, our editor, Jamie Smith, raises the question mark around why we were playing central midfielders out of position. You know, he's only just finally got it to, to twig that, you know, if we play a left-back at left-back, then that's a good thing. So now he's starting to play other players out of position. Why is that? What is is he still just not sure of what his best side is or is it just inexperience from him as well for the league? Possibly. I mean, it's always said we have, bit of hindsight in, in terms of, of selection and stuff. Um, I think individually, our starting 11, like player by player, they're all really good footballers. Yeah. There's absolutely no denying it. Like Aaron Ramsey, clear as day, what his so talent good. is. And mm. Amdouni as well, Sander Burge. Um, I think to stay in this league, I think we've got it the wrong way around. I think you need to have eight or nine players who are just consistently give you like seven eights out of tens and you know exactly what you're going to get. And then you'd have, like, we've always been reliant on, like, a Dwight McNeil and Chris Wood yeah. to get our goals historically. And I think this time, we got it the other way around, how we got eight or nine really good players who could easily win a game for us, but don't have that same, like... Grittiness. Yeah, so, so to when we're really under the cosh and you need to go, right, okay, let's just sit in a low block, let's just calm down, let's just do the basics. I don't think we do that very well. Mm. With too many luxury players... Yeah, I yeah. I just, yeah, I just think you need eight or nine really good, solid individuals, really good professionals. Now, I'm not saying our squad isn't that, but I just think they're very individual and they want to win games. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, they don't seem to be gelling as a unit yet. I don't see, yeah. I don't see a body of 11 players working to the same strategy working as one everybody in tune knowing where everybody's going to be I can see pockets of individual partnerships I think Bayer and Trafford are starting to get to know each other a little bit better Cullen's now you know I'm seeing little Mm -hmm. pockets of relationships but not a coherent side whereas we have seen in previous seasons a bulk of players who can literally sit in and say like you know Stephen Defoe you go off Dwight McNeil you go off do what you want those luxury flair players um it's still a new side though they've only played six Premier yeah. League games together we've got a lot of yeah, new of players in so it, maybe it will come um, okay one final point then before we move on to preview this, this must win losing game uh, I have a question that's coming from a listener for you by the way Dave um, which I think you might know what it might be um, I'll throw myself off now what was I going to say blah, blah, blah. so yes so we've now had to play five really tough fixtures which bear in mind our relegation peers haven't yet had to, to meet um, fair enough, you know, Wolves got a bonus win against City, which is a little bit frustrating. Um, and Luton obviously got that bonus win, but again, it's off a relegation rival. We still have got to start playing the mid to bottom end tables of the sides. Are you still then, when you talk to the opening of the show, cautiously optimistic, do you still think that we can perform very well against those sides and therefore judge us after you've seen us play them? Yeah, I think, you know, the Forest game was a good indication. Um, mm. And that's, yeah, that's the only well. sample. Yeah, that, and that's the only sample size we have. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, and twice. I think, we beat them in the league. And yeah, the cup. of course. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't watch the cup game. I'm not too sure how we played, but from okay. what you know, what we've said in like WhatsApp groups and stuff, it sounds fairly promising. Um, but the Luton one's going to be an awkward one because they're really strong on set pieces, and I and really worry really about us on set pieces. We're terrible at set pieces. Just, even when we the Premier League game against Forest, we look like conceding from our own corners. Yeah, we, we, we have a corner. It's like, oh, you rub your hands together, and then Forrest had counter on two of them and nearly scored this. <laughs> it's so true. That is so true. Uh, it's, no, it it's frightening. And you look at what Luton did with set pieces against Everton, against yes. Sean Dyche, Everton with Onana and Tarkovsky. Who should be good at set Brantwick, pieces. Yeah. Who, who generally really are. Dyche has always been really good at defending set pieces in both boxes. So to yeah, see what Luton did, score from. Two set piece against Sean Dyche's team, and then you think, oh God, Carlton Morris against James Trafford in, in that, inside that six yard box. Just, I'm trembling already. Okay, well, hold that tremble then. We'll give you a chance to get because we're going to come back to the looting game later on. Um, but yeah, for now, let's leave Newcastle and let's leave our league scratching of our heads and let's move on to that game. Um, before we get there, Dave, of course, we have a quiz question which we're going to give to our listeners. Now, those of you who've been listening and paying attention this season, you will know that we no longer give you a quiz question at the end of the show to go away and submit an answer. We give you it at the beginning and we give you the answer at the end, so you need to pay attention. So in following a theme, I presume is the same. Dave, what have you asked our listeners to keep an eye out for this week, please? Yeah, we're interested in testing your knowledge of players who spent time at Burnley and our next opponents. So out of 22 players who've represented both teams since the Second World War, there are five who've played 50 or more league matches for both Burnley and Luton Town. And this time, three of those five have gone one better and have chalked up over 100 league appearances for both clubs. So we want to know how many of the five players you can name and can you identify which three of those five achieved 100 or more league appearances for both? Lovely. And we will give you the answer at the end of the show. Now, before we move on to, to preview that show, Dave, we've had... A question coming from one of our listeners, Adam Bromley, a name that may well be familiar to some of our regular listeners. His question is, dear preview show, ask Dave whether this is a must-win game. His fans need to know. Dave, is this a must-win game? Well, I preempted this. I did a little Twitter poll uh, to see if Ooh, uh, what what the uh, and we, uh, it's still open actually. If anyone's interested in uh, looking at my Twitter feed and reply and uh, put it with uh, yeses. <laughs> well, there, there were three options. It's like uh, Burnley at Luton on Tuesday night? Question mark. Must win option yes. one. Uh, yes. Mustn't lose option two or three. Seriously, it's October. So they yeah. were the three. Nobody options. pressed option three, did they? Because that's silly. Uh, well, I, th I think there was just slightly over fifty percent were it's a must-win game despite it being October. And in in their defence, I will say that even though technically it's not a must-win game, if we're going to survive this season, Burnley must win probably at least ten matches, and this is going to be one of the matches we need. To win, so that's, that's as far as I'm going to go with that answer. I've never heard you go that far with that day, so I'm taking that as a yes. Let's move on. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be looking away, Luton Town away. It is Tuesday, the third of October, seven thirty kickoff. Not televised anywhere, but this is of course a rearranged fixture from the second game of the season. Dave, you're going to kick us off, please, with your match results summary. 
Uh, yeah, summarising past away league matches against Luton Town. Uh, most of our league meetings against them have been outside of the top flight. Uh, this season's only our seventh uh, together in the top division after a gap of almost 50 years. And of course, it's the first in the Premier League era. Uh, Burnley and Luton have spent 24 previous seasons together uh, and we have more wins than losses from our away trips in the league. Uh, there have been 11 Burnley wins, uh, 10 defeats and just three draws. In terms of goals scored, Burnley have found the net 36 times in those matches and conceded 40. Excellent. And first of our new features then for this first half of the season, one to remember, one to forget. We're going to be looking at a couple of past matches in a feature which, as it says on the tin, gives us one that is one we want to remember and one we'd quite like to retire to the archives forever. Dave, kick us off, please, with one to remember. Oh, and it's worth saying as well, they are interchangeable. So for any Ooh. Luton fans listening, our one to forget will be theirs to remember. And, of and course, of course, of course, yes. Um, uh, actually, so I'm just in the script, are you going with one to forget first? Uh, from a Burnley perspective, uh, yes. That's the Go way ahead. I've done it this time. Go ahead. Uh, so we're going to get the one to forget from a Burnley perspective out of the way first, and you have to go all the way back to February 1959 for our heaviest defeat at Kenilworth Road. Uh, after taking the lead through John Kennelly in the 16th minute, Burnley conceded three times before the break, and three more afterwards to trail 6-1, before netting a late consolation from Brian Miller to make it 6-2. Scoring a hat-trick for the home side was inside forward Alan Brown, that's Alan with two L's, the Scottish former Blackpool player, not the former Burnley manager. Uh, the Burnley Express match report stated that Luton were flattered by the margin of victory, but I guess you can't really argue with such a comprehensive scoreline. No, definitely not. Uh, so which one are we doing for the one to remember then? Let's get back to nice. Right, well, on to, on to better times. And there are plenty of away wins at Kenworth Road to choose from. We mentioned already there's 11 in all. Um, as well as last season's narrow 1-0 win, we've previously covered a memorable 3-2 win with 10 men from November 2005. So just for a change, we're going to choose a different match, uh, which is our last top-flight visit to play Luton Town at Kenworth Road. That was in November 1974. Uh, Ray Hankin gave Burnley the lead with a trademark header just after the half-hour mark, but Luton Town's John Faulkner equalised with another header just six minutes later to make it 1-1 at the break. And then there was a flurry of goals just after half-time. Leighton James put Burnley back into the lead after 49 minutes, but it took Luton just two minutes to level the scores at 2-2 with a Peter Spiring header. It was only another two minutes before Burnley took the lead again, as Ray Hankin put the finishing touch to a low cross from Leighton James to make it 3-2, and that was the way it stayed. Lovely. Uh, well, you know that we don't like to make you take our word for it. We like to give you some opposition views on our podcast. This week, we spoke to All When The Town podcast, who gave us their views ahead of the game. Hello, my name's Dave from Oh When The Town. Um, since winning the playoffs, Luton Town uh, have had a bit of a roller coaster ride, really, um, getting the money from the Premier League has literally saved our club. And every Luton Town fan is under no illusion how hard it will be for our club to stay in the Premier League. But we're going to give it a good go. Uh, signings um, for the summer, quite unreal, really. Um, if you consider that before we got promoted, our highest ever transfer in was £1.2 million or £2 million for Colton Morris. And we've broken the transfer record four or five times over the summer. 
yet probably still haven't spent as much as Burnley or Sheffield United or even any of the other teams than they have on one player, let alone five or six. So I think we brought in about ten. Um, our best signings for me we've, uh, is Chio Ogbeni. You've got to look out for him. Super fast. Just been told that he is the fastest player in the Premier League, which is unbelievable. Uh, Marvellous Nakamba, who we took from Villa on loan last season, um, has been pivotal in our success last season and he's continuing on with that form as well. Um, a couple of others, Ryan Giles, uh, Chong from Birmingham, all signings that on paper are, are pretty good for us um, and showing quite well at the moment. Um, we're under no illusion that this staying in this division is going to be super hard, especially for Luton Town, given our... Um, size and status and and like every fan and every of every club is looking at Luton Town as a banker for a win um as long as people keep underestimating us we'll just keep plodding along and at the moment you know we're the only new Dunley Bright teams who have won a game now I I expect that's down to who we've played against to who they've uh, you guys have played and, and who Sheffield United have played but we're not as bad as everybody thinks and I think that's the key for us we will get better we have been improving since the start of the season pretty tough start for us Brighton away Brighton were flying at the time uh, West Ham we, we were unlucky against Fulham we should have won we had many many opportunities to win that game and of course our first Premier League win at the weekend against Everton although somewhat tainted by again uh, Everton fans thinking that we were still rubbish and we still managed to beat them uh, 2-1 um, with regards to playing Burnley um we had a couple of good games last season. I think they were quite tight, especially at Turf Moor. Um, when we actually started quite well up there, um, our home game went, let's be honest, Burnley were the best team in the league by a country mile. Um, was very tight and we, we managed to stay with you for most of the game. And, and you know, we, we gave you two good games. So I'm hoping that on Tuesday night we do have a few opportunities to win, uh, you know, to score. Uh, it's going to be very, very tight, but I'm just hoping that we can just bounce on with the win from the win that we had at the weekend because games between clubs like ours at the moment in the position we're in for both clubs are becoming must-win games because we know how difficult it is to beat the top six, the established Premier League teams. So I'm predicting it's going to be very, very tight and I'm hoping, you know, obviously it's a heart and head thing here, I'm hoping that my... Hart says that Luton can do enough to win the game, even by the odd goal. But um, let's be fair, it's not going to be any pushover. I think a very tight game. I hope we can win. And uh, yeah, let's go, let's go for 1-0. But I'll take anything as long as we get something out of the game. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And the referee details, please, Dave. Uh, we've got Peter Banks of Liverpool. He's taking charge of the, uh, the newly revamped Kenilworth Road on Tuesday evening. Uh, the first time he refereed a Burnley match was for our 2-1 away win at Rotherham United in early October 2015. And the only other Burnley victory in seven previous matches was a comfortable 3-0 away win at QPR last December. Uh, it was also the referee for one other match last season. That was the 1-1 draw at Deepdale just over a year ago. Uh, overall, Burnley have two wins, three draws and two defeats in Peter Banks's previous seven matches. And to date, he's managed to keep his red cards in his pocket. Uh, helping him out with the technology, hopefully, will be Michael Salisbury, who's been appointed as a video assistant referee for this fixture. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting looking at the, the referees, Robbie, at the moment. They're just referees and VAR and everything are just under unbelievable microscopic scrutiny at the moment. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've bookmarked it to have a look because I was away this weekend. But um, just the absolute nonsense from this weekend is absolutely getting people with quite powerful voices just to call for VAR to be scrapped. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't understand why we suddenly feel like we're in a worse shape than we were before. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a advocate for VAR. I've always, always been a fan of it. I'd rather it, you know, you get ninety nine percent of the decisions right, despite how long they take. But the one at the week on Saturday night is, um, is it bad? <laughs> you know, that, yeah, it's it. I sympathise it. It's just a complete mi- lack of miscommunication where uh, Diaz has scored for Liverpool. The referees called it offside, but the team at VAR think he's given a goal, so they've gone check complete. As, no. as in saying, yeah, go with your, as in, yeah, check complete, it's a goal. But but he never gave the goal because he thought it was offside. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, it's, so how did the referee of... not? So, of course, if they're only saying check complete, he yeah. thinks that VAR is saying check complete, it's, it's offside. offside, you were right. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, it, it, gets, it, no. it gets worse than that, though. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. tell me. They, they then realised that that's happened because they kicked off straight away. They've mm. kind of sat on the hands because they said, well, oh, the protocols say that uh, we can't yeah. then um, get involved and say anything. So they, yeah. the referee supposedly, although there is debate on this, didn't find out until half-time. It's, it's, it's just a, a, a farce from start to finish, really. They, they were oh. doing a good analysis on it on Monday Night Football before we started. Oh, yeah, where, that where they've shown the it's basically an image of the referee after he's he's also been told in his ear they said, "Oh, we've we've cocked, we've up, cocked up, we've cocked up." Let him have a goal if they want and one. It, <laughs> and his face is like it's you can Dream. tell is it, yeah you can tell he's in trouble. But that's not but, the referee's fault. No, it's not. So why is he He should be yeah, fine. He's just like you idiots. Yeah, it's Darren oh. England on VAR. <laughs> Well, say no more. I mean, the irony of that VAR was brought in to clear up clear and obvious errors. They are mm. not. They are not only not clearing up clear and obvious errors. They are clearing up errors that are so not clear and obvious that they're taking five minutes to do. And then the really obvious clear and obvious error that they make straight away. They don't have the yeah. 
remit to what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they should have broken protocol. In hindsight, they should have broken broken protocol and gone, pull it back. We've messed yeah. up. It's if a they've just done it, they can literally just go and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what are you doing?" And they can just stop straight away and say, yeah. "No, I'm really sorry." Yeah, fair yeah. enough. The fans in the ground will whinge and everyone boo it because it's it's techie and the thing. But I, I agree with you, Bobby. How to get a decision right? Correct. In purely objective um, decisions, where there is a right mm-hmm. and there is a wrong, VAR has got to be used to do that. So excellent. Anyway, let's move on. There is, so, there is consistency. There is consistency, though, in the, yeah, the, the, the the quality of the communication between the on-pitch officials and the ref, uh, the officials at Stockley Park is just as bad as the level of communication from the officials to the, the crowd. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a little comfort. It's a little comfort right now, but yeah, I get your point, Dave. So, Luton game. We've already had Dave admitting that this is a must-win game, Robbie. Um we probably could have done without Luton having that massive uh, confidence boosting win against fellow relegation rivals Everton. Um, it is away from home. Um, not that Turf Moor's been particularly comfortable for us so far. This is our first proper test. I think Norwich, uh, not Norwich, sorry, Forest away was sure a, win- a more winnable game, a more technically even game. But I don't expect Forest will be towards the bottom. I think they'll probably be. 13th, 14th, 12th, maybe. Yeah. Um, Luton will be around the bottom all season. Just sum up how on earth you're feeling ahead of this game. Uh, I want it over and done with, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> over with. and done with, there's three points on the board. Thank you. Let's yeah, ideally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you've got that just that sort of anxiety to it. So I just want it to just get to yeah. 10 o'clock I on Tuesday. Almost night, can't watch it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it's it is a must win, but I don't yeah. think it's a must win as in it will define our season. I'm more seeing it from more of a short term perspective where I'm expecting us to get beat by Chelsea the week after. Yeah, and the thought of going into a second international break still without a win will weigh down on us more and more. Yeah, and then you sort of going into the I sort of don't like the idea of going to Brentford away or uh, Bournemouth away. I'm not sure if there's a game in between that. Still uh, without a win. Yeah, so yeah. I, the, the idea of going into one of those again without a win and then you're going into November, December. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think then you are really in deep trouble. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think as well, if we do if we do beat Luton and we go into that international break, we have played eight games, seven games, sorry, five of whom were against teams that traditionally we should never expect to get any. And we got four points from two Premier League away games, which is yeah. uh, probably, sorry, four points. That's probably two points more than, you know, they say draw your away games, don't they, and, and try and win your home ones. So that'll be a decent return to go with four points on there. Um, how much of a miss has Lyle Foster been? And I'm assuming we put him straight back in the side on Tuesday. Yeah, we miss his physicality. I think yeah. we've really... Uh, you probably mentioned it hundreds of times, but his development over the last Crazy, eight, nine right? months, he's got yeah. a completely different player. He's literally got everything where he's got that strength to hold the ball up on his chest or at his feet, really good in the air. And he can. he's also got turn of pace as well to like spin a defender. And he was really good at Forest. I don't think, yeah. it, I think, I don't think his performance, because Coley Orshaw was really good and I'm doing, he got the goal. I think they took a lot of the plaudits. But Lyle Foster was man of the match that night. He was in, he was really, really good. And he had a, a slight moment of madness. 
and I think we've really missed him against Man United in particular. We I think that, that second game. half, we re- yeah, I think with Lyle Foster in that second half, I think we it's a completely different Burnley. And again, I think we're missing him at Newcastle as well. It's like when we're on the course, we need someone to play off. And I think and, like Andoni did a really good job, like leading the line with what he can do. But it's he not, it's not a number deep. nine, though, is it? Yeah, he likes to drop deep and be sort of a false nine, number ten type player. Yeah. You can see that with the way he plays. As Lyle Foster gives you that something different. And I think Luton away actually suits his style as well. Yes. So yeah. I'm, I'm actually hoping that he can be a difference for us. Yeah, you, you look at that. If you if we have a, an attacking threat of Cully Oshawan Dooney and Niall Foster, it shouldn't really matter if Luton try and attack us on the on the um, set pieces because mm-hmm. they shouldn't be able to get that much. You know, the, the attack should be our defence. It really, really should. Yeah. Um, and I, I just feel like we could be strong enough and just hit them with that that high press. I think we can afford to press a little higher against Luton because they shouldn't have as much of a threat mm-hmm. from open play in midfield and their forward attack. Um, mm-hmm. Bayer can be pushing forward a little bit more. He's had to, he's not been able to go on those runs that, that we like and pre- press the ball out anymore um, just because it, you know, it, it leaves us too exposed. So he should be able to have a bit more freedom that way. Um, Connor Roberts should have the freedom in midfield, which he seems to be loving these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that should be our strategy. Um, one question mark, and there's an absolute battle going on on social media about this with, with Burnley fans very much stuck in two camps with this. Is it time to let Murich have a chance at goal? Where's your, no. Where do you sit on this? Are you still... No, I, I'm Team Trafford, 100%. Yeah. Um, I understand the argument. I think Murich is really, really unlucky. Yeah. Um, I, I, do feel, I do feel for him, obviously... Uh, Vince's company obviously wants an upgrade. He obviously feels that James Trafford is an upgrade. Um, I think he, I think Trafford is a better goalkeeper. Yeah. I think there's still, a, I think it's neck and neck on distribution. I think Murich probably edges it, but I think Trafford is getting better game by game. Yeah. Um, One of the points that's been highlighted as being a potential flaw in in Trafford's play is that Trafford doesn't seem to command his box as well as Murich does. He doesn't feel like he's as a physical strong presence. But I'm not entirely sure Murich defends like commands his space much more than that either. Yeah, he's taller and physically he's an older guy. He's taller and physically stronger. But that's that's biology. That's not nothing to do with his talent. I think that's an unfair barometer. I think if you go back 12 months on any forum, I think everyone was saying the same thing about Muritz in terms of, yeah. you know, when we, uh, towards the uh, start of last season, when we went on that little run where we'd be 1-0 up and failure to kill games off and then we conceded like a late equaliser. It was like, I think like Stoke at home and Hull at home. It was like, mm. it was like a little, like four games on the bounce or something like that. And there were a lot of critics towards Muritz. Yeah. Around is he never he never seemed to save anything. No, he had, he had very he had very little to do, and he never kept the ball at the net. Is that we'd concede like three shots, one on target and one on going. Yeah, that's a and point, I, I do remember that a lot of his critics was around commanding the box and coming out for crosses and stuff like that, and a lot of people were calling for Peacock Farrell to start games. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. God, yeah, I do remember that at the beginning so of last season. Is, so what we're seeing with Trafford <laughs> is exactly what we're seeing with Murich, where I think that's where my patience is coming in, where I'm like going, what we're, what we're seeing with James Trafford right now is exactly what we're having with Murich. It's just teething problems. 
I'm hoping that they will also sort themselves out. Fingers crossed. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> give me a score prediction then, please, Robbie. Uh, oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I'll, I'll say 1-1. One, one. I'll take No, come on. I, I, I never bet on Burnley, you know. I never bet on Burnley to win. Why does it never come in? Uh, just in terms of like a better superstition. Yeah, superstition, and it's a win-win for me. So I always put us on to lose. I'm not asking so, you to put any money on it. I'm just asking you for a score <laughs> I prediction. Get a bit of compo for me. I'll, I'm not going to ask for your bank details, Robbie, after you finish this call. <laughs> I'll, I'll say a 1-1 one, one draw. One, I, think, one draw. I think it'll be a very cagey game, and I think we'll concede from set piece. Dave, your score prediction, please. I'd better be the positive one then and go for a 2-1 <laughs> win. Yes, that's what I love. Well done. I tell you, since you were last on the show, Dave's a completely different person, Robbie. He's suddenly gone all <laughs> positive now. He's, he started predicting wins and everything. It's, I don't really know what to do with himself. Um, I'm going to be in Camp Dave and I'm going to go even more positive. Um, I think this is the game where Burnley get that confidence and they play with a swag. I'm going to say 3-1-2 Burnley. I agree with Robbie. I think we'll probably be vulnerable to conceding at a set piece but I think we'll ultimately be too strong for them um, listeners do send us your score predictions you know how to get in touch with us or comment if you're watching this via our YouTube show we would love to hear from you please um, Dave can you finish off then the Luton preview with your miscellaneous stat of the week please yeah I've got a good omen really from uh, stat of the week uh, there can't be too many away grounds where Burnley have won on all of their last three previous uh, most recent visits but Kenilworth Road is one of those grounds. Uh, as well as a narrow 1-0 win there last season, we won 2-0 in the Championship in October 2006, as well as a 3-2 win in November 2005 uh, with a hat-trick from Adiak in Bay. In Ooh. fact, if you go back a little bit further, Burnley have won six of our most recent eight previous matches at Kenilworth Road, all in the league over a period of around 30 years, stretching back to 1994. Lovely stuff. Well, that is all we have time for um, in terms of the Luton preview. We're all going to be on Tenderhooks tomorrow night. So if you do want to join us on a social media, watch along for those who um, aren't at Kenilworth Road. We can go through it together. It's going to be a collective holding of hands from the Burnley fans. Um, a quick FPL reminder before we finish off. Um, this match is the final fixture of game week seven. It's a double game week for Burnley and Luton. So it is too late to tinker with your team ahead of Tuesday night's game. But for those FPL managers who remembered to flood their team with Luton and Burnley players, well done you. Um, it's also the final Premier League match of September. So in our next FPL update, um, which Adam is going to send to us shortly, he'll reveal the manager of the month of September, the winner of our much sought after sticker. Oh, I was going to do a, a show and tell of a sticker, weren't I, Dave? I forgot to bring them. Sorry, I'll do that next week. Um, as well as the latest standings in the known and ever FPL League. So in the words of Adam... Green arrows to you all. Dave, quiz question. I know what that means now. Uh, Dave, quiz answers, please. Robbie, did you get any of these? I don't think I know of any Luton and Burnley players. Uh, one player that comes to mind, I'm not convinced he's made over 100 appearances, was uh, Jean-Louis Valois. Oh, that's a great shout. No, not on. No. no I, I, I'm, not even, that many I'm not even convinced he played for Luton. He's just in the back of my head. <laughs> in the back of my head. You're just like throwing out old school. Yeah, he, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I think I, think, I was trying to think of players who play for both, and I was like, I can't think of many, but he was one that popped in my head straight away. I'm not even convinced it's right. 
Robbie's determined to turn this into a retro show because he's not been on since like 1945. (laughs) Bring all those players out. I love it. Uh, Dave, go on then. Give us some answers. I I have nothing for you. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, as we said, there's three of the five who've made 100 or more. The other two, um, Ron Futcher played 57 times for Burnley, 120 for Luton. Uh, Mitchell Thomas just missed out. He played 99 for Burnley uh, and 293 for Luton. Uh, but the three players you, you will remember, definitely will remember, who've played 100 or more league games for both uh, are Graham Alexander, ah, 154 boy. for Burnley, 150 for Luton. Obviously at Luton uh, before he was at Burnley, before he was at Preston. Um, Marlon Beresford, uh, 287 for Burnley. Oh, and we should have got that one. Yeah, that's annoying me, that one. <laughs> yeah, we should have got 116 that. for Luton. Uh, and finally, uh, at top of the list in terms of combined appearances, uh, Steve Davis. Steve Davis II, uh, 327 oh, wow. for Burnley. Again, a couple of uh, couple of spells with Burnley and then later as a, a coach, obviously. Um, and then 139 for Luton. Lovely stuff. I uh, hope you got some of those listeners who will be testing your knowledge again at our next preview show. That is all we have time for. Godspeed to all of our travelling clarets heading down to Kenilworth Road tomorrow. Cheer the boys on, get behind them and bring that first win of the season back. We will be back. Um, what day is it today? We'll be back on. We probably won't have time to do analysis show separate so we'll probably do another combined show ahead of the game at the weekend uh, so join us for that keep an eye out on social media and we will let you know when they come out and in the meantime if you've got any comments or you just want to get in touch then you can get in touch with us through the usual channels i've been natalie bromley this has been the preview show brought to you by the known and ever podcast until next time the known and ever podcast is brought to you in association with the talk sport fan network our host and editor is natalie bromley and the show is produced by matt moss Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.